Shakespeare once said all the world's a stage, but he didn't tell us how to get there. This is Steps to the Stage, a 7th Street Theater podcast. I'm your host, Colin Pinedo, and let's get this show going. Thank you, places! Folks at home, do you have a business, small or otherwise, that isn't pulling in traffic the way you want it to? Well, it might be because they don't have something to remember you by. And that's why today, we are sponsored by Graphic Details, Inc., Signs and Displays. They will print out your banners, they'll cut vinyl, they'll do window graphics for the company cars. We're talking business cards, banner stands, LCD displays, tabletop displays, logos, all in full living color. Again, that is Graphic Details, Inc. here in Chino, California. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to the premiere episode of Steps to the Stage, a 7th Street Theater podcast. In this show, we mean to highlight play-by-play, bullet-point-by-bullet-point what it means to take on to undergo a staged theater production via interviews with the community theater professionals you know and love. Now, in this, the first episode, we are starting at the very beginning and at the very top by deciding what show you want to put on, as well as obtaining the rights and obtaining the royalties to that show. So, walk all of us through this process together. Allow me to introduce a member of our board of directors and also, more importantly, our current CCCT president, Miss Debbie Barbin. Now, Debbie, welcome back. Hi, Colin. Thank you. It's good to see you again. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. How have you been? What's... Well, you know, we've been on hiatus for a little while here, yeah. trying to keep you all engaged, but <laughs> I think there's a light at the end of the tunnel, yeah, so let's yeah. let's see what we do to get uh, back on the stage. Yeah, all right. Uh, the first question we have is, we would all like to learn more about how a theater company or a director or a production crew chooses like what show to put on. Like, say it's the start of the season, sort of picking the season, what is that process like? Sure. So I think the most important thing... Um, when picking a show is to take into account your talent pool. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean what the people who generally come and audition for your shows want to do, as well as what their level of um, skill is and interest is in any particular show. And I think that's important when we're talking about youth theater, Mm -hmm. Because we don't want to put on a show or offer a show where the community that we serve isn't interested in performing in it. Or, for instance, it has a skill level or a type of skill or a type of cast member that we can't get into the audition process. So, for instance, why would we do a show that has significant, difficult dance skills that are necessary to the plot that we can't change, we can't alter, we can't make fit our group if we don't have regularly kids that come and audition that have those skills? Not to say we can't teach them to a certain extent. That's a huge part of our mission here. At the children's theater, but that's one thing to look at. Uh, another thing to look at is to make sure you have the skill level and the interest level in your production team. Mm. Does somebody want to direct it? Do we have somebody that can mus- musically direct that type of show? Do we have somebody that can choreograph it? If it's a drama, do we have somebody that's interested in doing that? So just a little insight into the way that uh, Chino Community Children's Theater chooses its shows Um, We keep that in mind. We look to our director pool to tell us what they'd like to do. So we request submissions, they submit shows, and then our production committee and our executive committee look at those and see what we think about them. Is there an interest level? Do they have a vision that we agree with? Although they do get a lot of leeway in their vision, things like that. Yeah. Okay. Could you go more in depth on the process of like obtaining rights to a certain show? Sure. So once that's another factor. We can look yeah. at that. We look at that both before and after we choose a show to do. First, before you even 
decide on a show, we need to go to the company that holds the rights, whether it's like Dramatist, MTI, Pioneer, any of those licensing companies. And we check their website. We see if it's licensing in the U.S. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, especially if there's currently a tour going on Mm -hmm. of that particular show. Sometimes they'll restrict licensing during that period. Then also there could be restrictions in terms of casting. There could be restrictions in terms of age group that it's available for, um, the number of shows, those kinds of things. So we're going to look and see if it's available. Then once we decide on a show, we have to then again contact the licensing company to obtain the rights. And that's it's an online form process. Yeah. How many shows are you going to do? What's your seating capacity? Those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And they come back with a yes or a no, and you hope that it's a yes. And if you've yeah. done your research ahead of a time, usually it's a yes. And that's another thing that dawns on me that you have to think about is the price mm-hmm. of the show. I was about to ask. The yeah. bigger, <laughs> <laughs> the bigger, the more popular the show, yeah. the more it's probably going to cost. Mm-hmm. And so you have to keep that in mind in terms of can you sell the tickets to support that kind of show. We here at Chino Community Children's Theater want to keep our participation fees as low as possible. Mm-hmm. We really believe that as a nonprofit and a community service organization, that all kids should be allowed to participate in our shows regardless of their financial situation. So we really want to keep any participation fee low. And so we then have to look at, can we sell enough tickets to support this level of cost? Because we also like to keep our ticket price low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. How now how far ahead of like of auditions does that process start to happen of like choosing everything? Sure. So we start our year about June. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if we were operating under normal conditions Mm -hmm. right now in June of 2021, we'd be starting to select our season for 2022. Yeah. We send out to people who have directed for us before or people who have expressed an interest in directing for us. We send out a request for submissions. Those are usually due back about August. We ask them to, you know, what shows are you interested in? What age groups? What would your rehearsal schedule look like? Who has the rights to the show? What's your vision in terms of casting, costuming, design, Mm -hmm. lighting, any of those things? And then we start meeting in about August, September after those come in and talk about the season, make our choices, choose a few backups because anything can happen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get rights and you lose rights. Sometimes you can't get rights when you thought you could, things like that. And we select in about September. We like to have our selection done and our rights procured. We pay for them up front. And then we announce our season in October or November of each year. Yeah, awesome. So you mentioned um, sometimes you get the rights, sometimes you don't get rights. Sometimes you have to do royalties and things. How are those? Is that like a set thing or is that determined depending on this, this or that? A lot of factors go into what the royalties will cost you. So with a drama, we'll start with that, or a a non-musical, because it could be a comedy. A play. So for a play. So for a non-musical play, the royalties are usually a set fee per performance and then a script cost. Okay. And that doesn't usually change based on the theater. Those are usually set. You can research those ahead of time and find them. (laughs) For a musical, on the other hand, they look at, and these are for the large musicals, not the Mm -hmm. junior musicals or those. Those are done a little bit differently. 
They look at the number of performances, the size of your theater, your ticket price, and they make a calculation on what they'll charge for royalties based on all of that. So the bigger the theater, the more you charge for tickets, you're going to pay a higher royalty than, say, a small community theater like us or a high school group or something like that. And they also take into account whether you're a nonprofit, whether you're an educational group, things like that. Then on top of that, (laughs) they charge um, for the music. Sometimes you'll have to go out and find music tracks on your own. So that's another expense, not Every musical comes with rehearsal and performance tracks. You pay for your scripts. Sometimes you keep them. Sometimes you are not allowed to. Most of the big musicals, you don't keep your scripts. You have to return them. Mm -hmm. They don't want that copyrighted material out there and available. Then you'll pay if you want video filming license, uh, logo license. It just, it goes on and on. (laughs) Yeah. You also said that the junior versions work a little, they operate a little differently. Sure. So Disney, um, through MTI, puts out junior versions of their large musicals. And sometimes there are junior versions. For instance, there's Moana Junior. There's no large scale musical of the same name, the same script. So they put out junior musicals. They are scaled down. They are shorter version. Um, They simplify the music. They Um, provide then scripts that the kids can keep. It's more of an educational forum for those shows. So the scripts have uh, maybe some information on the words, the culture, stage direction, information on theater in general. And so the kids do get to keep those scripts. And so the way that those licenses, they have more of a set fee. Um, They have more restrictions. You can't have actors over the age of 18 in those shows. Oftentimes you're limited on how many performances you can have for those shows. And they're just a simpler version, a less expensive version. And that's their way of getting the younger kids involved in Mm -hmm. theater without the large cost. Yeah. That's interesting that you just are not allowed to have actors over the age of 18. I didn't realize that was like a rule set by like Disney and MTI. That's right. Yeah. That keeps it educational. It keeps that mission going. Mm -hmm. So that then more professional theaters don't try to grab onto those junior shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that makes sense. (laughs) It does. Yeah. Um, This process, how is this similar and how is this different to what larger theaters like a Pantages or like a Seagerson Center go through? So... Different levels. Seagerstrom, Pantages, they host touring shows. So that's the show itself. Mm -hmm. So uh, Miss Saigon, it decides that it's going to create a touring show of their production. They have multiple casts usually that tour in different areas of the country at the same time. And then those theaters then contact those touring companies and ask them to come perform at their Mm -hmm. theater or make a, you know, arrange a contract. So it's kind of the opposite in it's, that regard. Right. So yeah. those are already set. Okay. They've got their own sets. They've mm-hmm. got their own lights. They bring they load that everything they into the them. new theater. Right. Then um, regional theater or larger community theaters, I've noticed they tend to select a season that they'd like to put on mm-hmm. and then from there solicit people to direct. Uh, okay. And that's the way Chino Community Theater does their season. They select the shows that they'd like yeah. to do and then go out and find people to staff those shows. Mm-hmm. We've done that before. If If we don't get enough submissions or enough submissions that suit our talent pool and our mission and our goals as a theater, then sometimes we'll go out and ask people 
um, or we know a show in particular that the kids really, really want to do. Sometimes we'll ask the directors if they would maybe think about a different show in terms of Mm. what they've submitted. Or if we don't get submissions to fill all of our spots, we'll go and maybe ask a director to do a particular show. Yeah. Okay. So circling back a little bit, what are some different ways that you've had to deal with or work around not being able to obtain the rights for a show? That's How good. Like That's a good question. Sure. There's kind of two different things that could happen. Mm-hmm. One is something happens between when we pick the show and when we apply for rights. And this has happened before. All of a sudden that show is now touring or there's a show very close by, a group very close to us that's doing the same show and at the same time, and they don't want competing shows in the same area. So at that point, we'll go back to the director, explain the situation, ask them, do you want to continue to work with us on a different show? Do you want to go ahead and pursue something different and let us you know, try to find somebody to fill that spot? So that's one situation that can happen. Another situation might be that the opposite, that you couldn't get the rights to a particular show. You went ahead with something that was a second choice, not even a second choice. That's a bad way to put it because- (laughs) An an alternative. An alternative, exactly. Because it could be equally as great a show. And all of a sudden, what you originally had envisioned becomes available. Same thing. We can go back to the director, never want to put pressure on somebody. If they have a vision and they love a show, they're going to be able to continue to do that show. But if they say to you, oh, yes, I definitely would much rather do the other show now that it's available, then we'll we'll go ahead and substitute in through there. Um, But the ultimate goal is just to make sure that your director is directing something that they have a vision and a passion for, Mm -hmm. and that you're offering something that the kids will get vested, invested in and have a passion for, so that those two things put together create just a really magical show. That's a, that's a very good answer, and that's a nice way of putting it. Picture this for me. Warm food, right? People chitting and chatting all around you like it's a big family. You know, take a whiff in. Breathe it in, breathe it in deep. What do you smell? What is that? What is that? What is it? Tomato? Ooh. A little bit of garlic? Yeah. Perhaps a bit of that, that mozzarella cheese? Oh. oh, you know it. Open your eyes. Where were you? That's right. Canateros, dine under the vine with a hand-tossed pizza made the old-fashioned way, you know what I mean? None of that deep-fried gunk like at those national chains, no, 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 no. If you want good quality, family-made Italian food, go to Canateros. Trust me. Theater has become more popular than it ever has been thanks to shows like a Hamilton or like a Wicked. Um, New theaters and things are starting to sprout everywhere, and that's great. But with that influx, do you think that obtaining the rights and trying to create shows just in general might become more difficult or perhaps more expensive? What do you think about that? Wow, that's a great question. (laughs) I hadn't thought about that. Um, I (laughs) think that, for instance, during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. we've seen a number of shows that have streamed. Yes, Um, Hamilton, like you said, is one. People who maybe never went to a theater performance, a live theater performance, now on Disney Plus, they can see Hamilton, they can see Newsies. I'm sure there are probably others. And these aren't recreated versions Mm -hmm. for TV. These are filmed productions of the live shows. from the Broadway. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that's kind of piqued an interest in it. I think there's plenty to go around, to be honest. I would love to see more theater groups sprouting up if there's kids that want to do this, they should have a place to do this. 
um, regardless of their current skill level, that's how you learn, right? You, yeah. you come into a place, you take some classes if they're offered, or you do some smaller shows, you do the junior shows, mm -hmm. and you're going to have a passion for it. Yeah. I think with the vast number of shows out there that are fabulous shows, to perform. We don't all have to do Hamilton. We can't yeah. do Hamilton. There's no rights available for Hamilton. Mm -hmm. There's no rights available for Ricked. So we can't do those shows. Sorry, those, folks. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> those big shows have never, the have never given mm -hmm. community theaters the rights. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. You can hope. So I think there's so many great shows out mm -hmm. there that there's plenty of room for everybody. Um, we haven't experienced any kind of, you know, fighting for talent. There are more than enough kids who want to do this and who, given the opportunity and given a great director and a great choreographer and a great musical director, rise to the occasion. They put out amazing work. Uh, we haven't had anybody yet that has you know, refused to go on stage or been <laughs> too scared or too shy when time comes, and they've all done amazing. Yeah. So I think there's plenty of material out there. I think there's plenty of talent out there. Will it get more expensive? I mean, everything gets more expensive. Yeah. But I don't think that the musical theater and the play community um, drive by profit. I think that it's a good thing that people make money off their intellectual property and that the more popular it is and the frankly, the better it is, the more money they can make. But mm -hmm. I've never really in this area seen that that's the driving force. It's more of putting out a great artistic product. Yeah seeing people perform your work and just receiving a fair return for it. So yeah. I don't see it getting, I don't see us getting priced out of, mm -hmm. out of doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree that it, this, this type of theater that we have is a great way to open yourself up to new material and different types of plays and shows and things, because there are shows that I had never even heard of until I was in them here. And so that's a great way to sort of expand your horizons a little bit. You mentioned Hamilton and Newsies and Shrek and those places are on Netflix and Disney Plus and things partially because of the way the world is. How, speaking strictly from your experience over the past year, how has COVID affected the theater sort of ecosystem in this regard? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, like everything else, we've, we've pivoted. Mm -hmm. I think some theaters shut down completely. Um, we can't have live indoor performances. Yeah. So some have shut down completely and they're just writing it out, hoping that they have the money to pay their rent and, and continue on when all this is over. We're extraordinarily lucky because we're um, supported by the city of Chino. Yes. And so we're not having the financial worries in terms of paying rent and utilities for a dark theater that some others have. And we serve youth. So our goal and our mission is to continue to serve and educate the youth in this community. So we've pivoted. We've moved a lot of things online. Mm -hmm. We did Reader's Theater. We've done yes. online summer camp, online mm -hmm. classes. Into um, the webs. Into the webs. We yeah. did a fully new workshopped mm -hmm. production written for, performed for a Zoom setting. That was so fun to see. <laughs> it was it great. Was impressive. It was great. Mm -hmm. I mean, the kids and Jesse Larson did that, and they did an amazing job. Um, we've incorporated our families in, and your family in particular, <laughs> Colin, um, along with the Miller family, mm -hmm. put, we did two different showcases. Uh, Christmas uh, and the Halloween. Exactly. And people, families submitted material. It was so fun to be a part of and, and to you, be able to put that together. Right. And your families and the Miller families are so extremely talented that they... 
they put together two pieces, one for each showcase that were professional, <laughs> I would say. I would not in say nature. professional. I enjoyed them thoroughly. <laughs> I enjoyed them. Well, thank you for that. So it's just been, you know, for us, it's been trying to keep everybody engaged and remembering the theater. Um, I think we have something special here. I think we give a lot of kids and their families even um, a safe place, a place to not only learn theater craft, but technical craft and community and leadership and all those teamwork, all those things. (laughs) So that's our goal is just to continue that mission um, until we can all be together in person again. That's great. Um, uh, I, again, I am very grateful that we are able to have, create these new experiences for everybody with those virtual showcases, with this podcast that we're trying to create to help guide people along the way. So um, to any aspiring little theater directors or technical companies or anything, what advice would you give them if they're just starting out in terms of this? That's a tough one. I wasn't here from the beginning. <laughs> I joined in after um, the our, mm-hmm. you know the Larsons and their friends and um, founding group put Built this all this together place, and yeah. left it here for us. Um, they're still caretaking it, and we're mm-hmm. caretaking it, and we're all caretaking it exactly. Yeah. And so I wasn't here from the beginning. I would just say that if you have a passion for this. And a somewhat selfless, well, not altogether selfless. I mean, we all do things that we want to do for our own reasons. Mm -hmm. But um, if you really want to do this, there is a way to do it. It takes Mm -hmm. nothing more than a group of people who want to learn and want to act and want to develop these skills. Um, Your location can start anywhere. It can Mm -hmm. start in your backyard, in yes. your church, in a school in auditorium, right on the computer. Mm-hmm. We've learned that <laughs> during the last year. Um, it can start anywhere. And so, and there are shows out there that are fabulous shows that don't require and a lot of money to yeah. put on and produce. And mm-hmm. so maybe you're not putting on a, a, a Grease or a Once on yeah. This Island or something like that immediately, but you're exploring and you're developing your talent and putting on some of those Mm -hmm. smaller shows and people will find you and you will find them. Mm -hmm. And they flock to each other. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Theater folk find one another. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, So I don't know what piece of advice. I think that was the question. (laughs) I'm just rambling Mm -hmm. on about everything else in the world. Tricks. I said, know your Know your audience, know mm-hmm. your talent pool, mm-hmm. serve the people that want to work with you, be willing to put in the time. Yes. Because if you're not willing as a servant leader to put in that time and to set that example, mm-hmm. the rest of the group won't yeah. follow. You got to love it for it to love you back. That's, oh, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> I'm I got that, that from uh, an actor's interview that I found on the internet. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. If like that should that should just be the whole theme, right? <laughs> that should be the mission statement mm-hmm. of of your theater. I mean, Put if it on the plan. it's obvious when you have somebody uh, leading a show or directing a show, not here, right, Colin? Not here, but mm-hmm. someplace else, you may have experienced somebody who's not particularly passionate about what they're doing, and mm-hmm. they don't get the response from their yeah. from their team. So and people don't 
Okay. Come back to them. All right. Yeah. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> put that on the website. Make that a t-shirt. I have to uh, find that, out who to attribute that to. Put that on the front door. Right. And I'll find it somewhere. Well, this has been fantastic. I'm glad you've been able to spend roughly a half hour with me today here in this little dressing room. So uh, thank you so much for talking to me. You're very welcome, Colin. I hope I didn't just ramble oh, on no. too much. Um, I want to thank you for doing this and for the other people behind the scenes yes. um, that are making this happen. I think this is just such an interesting project. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, the kids that, uh, for those listening, if yeah. you don't know, this <laughs> is a product of a, of a mentorship program yes. we're working on here at the theater. And so with the exception of um, Mr. Kirk Lane, who is the mentor in this program, mm-hmm. this is being done by high school and below yes. kids. Mm-hmm. So they're learning the editing, yes. the interviewing Mr. Confinado. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Thank you. Um, very well prepared. Very well done. And so I think that that just continues the theme of our theater here. Mm-hmm. To just kind of jump in, yes. learn by doing, mm-hmm. and develop a passion. Yep. Awesome. So thank you, Colin. <laughs> of course. And thank you, everybody else, for yes, making this you. possible. <laughs> in today's day and age, it's more important than ever to remain informed and present in your community, which is why today we would like to highlight the Chino Champion local newspaper. Make sure you keep up with all of Chino's great local events like festivals, meetups, and live performances, virtual or otherwise. The Chino Champion. Thanks for tuning in. Please. Subscribe to Steps to the Stage on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all that good stuff. And scene.